So I'm guessing you might think you're a pretty honest person. Mm. Do you ever lie to yourself? Because we can get away with that one, can't we? I, I do it. Here's some lies I told myself just today. No, I distinctly remember telling her that I bid on that rowing machine on eBay. I'm fine that I don't fit my suit from last year. I looked under the sink really hard. I cannot find that bottle brush. I'm an excellent motorbike rider. Those are all lies. The truths are, in order, I didn't really. I'm not. Not hard enough. And I overestimate my ability from time to time, which is not a great thing to do. We tell ourselves lies sometimes to justify a gap between intention and action or between a situation we're in and the values that we hold as true. Have you ever told yourself this one? I don't need therapy. Tony Lodge has and many others. In fact, Tony even wrote a book about it The book called I Don't Need Therapy and Other Lies I Tell Myself. It's a freaking great book. It's a great read. And she's awesome. And you're about to find out how awesome. She's full of wisdom. And she's on this week's show. Tony Lodge is my guest. And she's great. Before we get there, though, we have to pay everyone that works on this show. So we're going to play some ads. Here they are. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Start the fucking blog. Start the fucking podcast. Start the fucking Instagram channel, the TikTok, the YouTube, whatever it is. And, you know, if you get 100 followers, great. If you get 100,000 followers, great. If you get a million followers, great. But if it's something that you love and you're giving yourself that creative outlet and maybe it won't pay the bills straight away, maybe it won't ever, but if it's something you love to do, you will always get the same amount of gratification out of that. Just start the fucking blog. Just do it. That is podcaster, comedian and author Tony Lodge. This is Osher Ginsberg, Better Than Yesterday.
G'day, this is Better Than Yesterday. Thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, this is a podcast that since 2013 has been helping you make your day-to-day better than yesterday. Something you hear on this show and every show will do just that. We're here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, sometimes with a guest, sometimes just me, but every show does that. I am Osher Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a TV show host. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm a fan of excellent tailoring. I ride bicycles, motorcycles. I uh, lift weights. I pick up dog poo with tongs. I, uh, what did I do today? I tried cleaning an inline fan inside a duct that was noisy and eventually discovered it was too noisy no matter how much I cleaned it and I had to disconnect it. And that was the solution that I found. So yes, I do a lot of things. Um, but this is what I'm doing right now, making this podcast with you. And I'm grateful that you're here being a part of this show. We've been here since 2013 and I love doing this every week. If you want to come and say hi, you can. We've just finished two months of residencies at the Factory Theatre doing this news show that I'm doing. And we're about to debut at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. The tickets are in the show notes. The show is called NTNN NNN, Nighttime News Network, National Nightly News. NTNN NNN, real stories, fake news. Uh, And what is this show? Look, if I could sum it up using other TV shows you might know, it would be this. Thank God you're here. Have you been paying attention? It's a good news week. Yeah. It's the news of the day told in a way that is created before your eyes. I write my part of it, but my news team have absolutely no idea what's about to happen. And they tell the stories, sometimes extraordinarily accurately, completely invented on the spot. And they're very, very good at it. You'll leave informed. We cover all the hits, uh, local, national, international sport, weather, the same stuff you see on your phone, but you will not, I guarantee you will not snort laugh for an hour when you're scrolling the news on your phone because it's such a fucking great show. It's so good. I'm really, really proud of what we're putting together. It turns out I'm great at producing. Who knew? I'm good at bringing, in fact, I'm great at bringing a team of people together to create what is easily the funniest thing that I've ever been a part of. And I've been a part of some pretty funny things. The thing that is not great, it's the marketing part. I've got no idea. None at all. I'm really struggling, really struggling with letting people know where the show is, what the show is. It's fucking funny, man. And thankfully, through word of mouth in Sydney, we're able to sell a bunch of tickets. But Melbourne, we're starting from scratch. And so I know, I look at the stats. There are thousands of people in Melbourne that listen to this podcast right now. Like there's more than 10,000 people listening to this right now in Melbourne. If you're able, come along. Tickets aren't very expensive. They're in the show notes. I know you have to make decisions about what you can buy this week and not buy this week. Tickets are pretty cheap and it's a pretty decent night out and you'll laugh a lot. I guarantee that. If you can't make it, just tell someone, just tell one person this week, help me out. There's so much to choose from at the Comedy Festival in Melbourne. I promise it'll be worth the effort. It'll be worth getting a sitter. I promise you. The tickets are in the show notes. The special guests are unfucking believable dude. Every show is going to be a meet and greet because we've got to get out of the theater. I can't fuck around. So we basically walk off stage and walk out into the, the foyer because another show is right after us. So you're more than welcome. Come and say hi. We'll grab a photo, whatever you need. We're there. Come and make it a a, a night. We're there from the 30th. We open this Thursday and we're there until the 9th. No show next Monday though. And that's it. Come and say hi. Tickets are in the show notes. If you don't live in Melbourne or you can't get along and in Melbourne, please tell someone. You might be more effective than the numerous Facebook marketing campaigns that I'm running that seem to not be doing anything. Because fuck, I don't know how to work it. I don't know how to work meta. No idea. Oh, I hope you can come. It's fucking so good. It's such a good show. And I'm not just saying that. Like, it's really funny and I love making it. And 
when I hear a snort laugh, yeah, you can hear a laugh, but the snort laughs really stand out. Oh, it's better than a logie. Speaking of funny things and funny people, let me tell you about my guest today. Tony Lodge is a comedian, podcaster, and author, originally from Perth in Western Australia. She started out working in commercial radio, and Tony has since leapt to the world of podcasting, where she's amazing and has found enormous success with the show that she is one half of, Tony and Ryan. The other person in the show is called Ryan. Tony's written a book. It's called I Don't Need Therapy and Other Lies I Tell Myself. In this book, which I've read, it is wonderful. It is a essentially a bunch of quite hilarious essays all based on lies. And I found it extraordinarily relatable, even though I am not a woman some years younger than myself. I was like, oh yeah, I've done that. It was great. Because we all lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves to make the choices that we're not thrilled about having made or situations we're not thrilled about being in. We lie to ourselves to make them feel a bit more okay. And after this chat with Tony, I I felt a little different about some of those lies I told myself. I hope you do too. Enjoy this conversation with Tony Lodge. Tony Lodge, I'm extraordinarily happy to see you today. Oh, thank you. The pleasure's all mine. Believe me. (laughs) Piffle, like... When I uh, look, book is, is is magnificent. I don't need therapy is uh, um, and otherwise <laughs> is. I think many people <laughs> many people tell that tell that lie, and it's fascinating because even though I know it, I fucking know it more than anything, and the only reason I'm alive is because of it. I still try to get by, going, oh no, no, my ideas will get me out of this. Mm-hmm. The, yep. the ideas that got me, you the, go, the ideas that got me into this, the ideas <laughs> that keep me in this, the ideas that can't have me get out of it any other way that doesn't cause fucking wreckage, those ideas, <laughs> yes, those ideas. Uh huh. Yeah. Or you go, no, I did therapy all this time ago. I learned the tools I need. I'm done. Like I, I finished it. I did the course, bought the tape, bought the t-shirt. You know, and it's actually not how it works. <laughs> it's not high school. <laughs> it's not high school. You don't graduate. Uh, yes, yes. I was having this chat with I was having this chat with my wife Audrey this morning. Um, it was like a heap of work I had to do when I first met. I was quite ill when I first met Audrey, and then as as Georgia, my stepdaughter, became a, a, a much larger figure in my life, suddenly mm. all all the stakes changed, and what I thought yeah was there and I had a handle on suddenly wasn't enough. And then okay, back I went, and then when Wolfgang arrives again. Mm-hmm. As as we move yeah. and grow and change through our lives, you know, it's a little like renovating a house. You never know what's behind the walls, you know? Mm. And don't you think <laughs> as well that, like, you kind of learn more about yourself and it's even the satisfaction that I've had of even just the self-awareness of going, I need this again, feels really like it's such a great point to be at where you go, you know what, I actually, all this time before, I probably would have pushed that away and gone like, no, 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 I'm coping fine. But now you kind of go, you know what, no, I do actually need someone because I'm at X, Y, Z point and I know that I need some extra brain power. It's not like, you know, we've got an extractor fan and we need to put an extractor fan in the house. Like, I don't have enough ideas to wire that in without killing myself. I'll call someone who's got better <laughs> ideas and knows more about this stuff to sort it out. Yeah, why would exactly. It, why should it be any different? Mm-hmm. It, the same with a broken arm. You're not <laughs> going to just try and fix it yourself. You're going to go to a doctor because you need it, right? Uh, yeah. Well, and, well yeah. And, really, and then kind of like maybe, you know, learn how to how to get by 
as you're getting better from your broken arm and then maybe adjust mm. how you go about things. So don't break the fucking thing again. Exactly. <laughs> Keep the brain unbroken. <laughs> <laughs> It's important. It's important, but look, my ego is still well and truly trying to convince me that I've got this. I'm fucking got this, man. Don't you worry about it. I think though that to do what you do and to be part of you know this crazy world of being in the public eye and that kind of thing, you do need a certain amount of ego, right? So you kind of have to know when to listen to the ego but all, and to go, I don't need to listen to what those people are saying because this is my job and I'm doing it and I know what I'm doing. But then also being able to, yeah, tap into that and going, okay, no, the ego needs to stop now because I actually do need to like put my hand up a bit like when you're at the swimming pool, right, and go like, yep, okay, <laughs> you know, like bow out. <laughs> okay, swimming pool leads me to think like, we talked about how different things show up in your life, which, which kind of render the therapy that you'd been through now not very useful and you need, do need to go back. Things can show up and suddenly something you had never thought of for mm -hmm. 25 years, boom, there it is. And then now you've got to yeah. deal with this thing, which may have never have come up in any of, th any of your therapy sessions. And so you, you've got to be mindful of that because stuff, your brain can actually shut it off and go, and that nev you never... A memory of it is not present and then suddenly it is. Mm -hmm. Reading your book, dealing with the horror in my body as you described swimming glasses, swimming classes. Swimming lessons. Like <laughs> unprepared. <laughs> I was unprepared to be eight. I mean, I'm 49 in three weeks. I was unprepared to be once again eight standing on the pool deck in Kenmore, knowing that I am going to Weight Watchers that night because I'm this fat at this point. I'm going to Weight Watchers as a fucking eight-year-old pony. <laughs> Getting changed in front of all the other fucking cunts I go to school with. And yep. not only am I yep. really fat, I'm also the only uncircumcised one. So, Try explain that. Horror. Trying to explain that. I also was a fat kid, right? And I talk about this in the book that these horrible boys on the bus that they go, oh, well, I'm not fucking sitting next to her. And I'm like, okay, I did not ask for this. Like, please don't fucking do this to me. And even writing that, I mean, I talk about my mum being dead and that was almost more traumatic to, like, unravel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the yeah, the worst. The I'm sorry for putting you through that. There ah, should be a trigger warning on the book. Fine. Truly, truly, a trigger warning fine. is needed for that. <laughs> it's it's fine. You know, I'd like to think that we can get Wolf to a point when, if he's dealing with those fuckwits on the bus or you know people at at the pool, he can have a bit more about him to go. That oh, makes me feel sad, and at least talk to us about it. And then yeah. be able to go, well, what you have to say is what you have to say, but I'm okay. I'd, I'd like to think we could get him there. Obviously, it's going to yeah. hurt. It never feels nice. when. I think the other thing is like as talking about it, like we're two adults speaking about it, just knowing that these beautiful cherubic, delightful, you know, small little bags of possibility can be fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think as well, like you obviously have enough self-awareness that like Wolfie will always feel comfortable 
saying that to you and because you go, you know what, I went through that and it was shit, how can I protect you in a way that lets you experience the badness so that you know how good the good stuff can be but also like try and not let you get stuck in a situation where you have to write a book about it to try and process the assholes on the bus. <laughs> Look, I, it's, it's important that you do write a book about it. I mean, I thought it was bold of me writing a memoir at 44. Uh, I, I had to, you know, basically say, oh, no, it's, it's not a memoir, it's a half-time report. You know, I'm just kind of, you know, this, yep. is, this is what yep. it is. But to so verbosely and, and vividly and floridly describe your experience when you're not even 30 um, <laughs> is a really powerful thing because not there's not enough of that. People usually, you know, you don't want to be in your 60s and go, oh, yeah, that happened to me 52 years ago. Yeah. But also, what if I don't get there? What am I going to do? Wait, what am I fucking waiting for? Like, you know, who knows, right? Imagine if I don't get to 50 and I go, I'll write a memoir when I'm 50 and I go, oh, well, fuck, I'm dead now. What am I going to do? That would have been a great book, would have been a bestseller. Well, it's fucking nothing now. <laughs> no one will hear about the trauma on the bus. You know, people you need it. this. You got you to do it. You've got to, you've got to do it. The, so the kid on the bus, I mean, that's any, all we want as even as grownups, we just want connection and we just want people to recognize <laughs> us. We just want our humanity to be seen by others and respected by others. Uh, the way you describe it, the kid you were at school wasn't a kid that was getting a lot of that. So where did you find solace? Where did you find that connection? Um, I mean, to be honest, I feel like with my mum. She was like someone I really trusted. She picked me up every day from school and we debriefed about my entire day, which I now do as an adult with my partner. Uh, he and I sit down at the end of every day and I empty my brain out so that I don't sit on the couch with a brain full of the day. And I guess in terms of connection, like I found it really hard to make friends as a kid um, because kids are assholes, right? Like they can, they can, like you said, you know, they just these little bags of wonder, and you think, oh my god, how could they be awful? But they can be. And oh yeah, and don't think, don't think for just... a second like I was I was a fucking prick too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> so you're I, a bully. So I'm having the conversation with the wrong guy. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know how to deal with the pain that I'm in, so I just reflect it back, and so I'm like. That's yeah. what was happening. You know, I, I admit it. That's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah, it was hard. See, I went the other way and I just crawled into myself because I was oh. like, I can't deal with that and I don't I don't really have the bone in my body where it's like to be nasty instead. I just was like, oh, well, people don't like me. And, I just, yeah, I found it really hard to make friends. Yeah. And then as I got older and I think I – like discovered a bit more about my personality that I was like, okay, maybe I'm not the hot girl that everyone wants to date, but like, you know, I'm really kind or I'm funny or, you know, I can say something funny or, you know, I just think I learned more to rely on myself. And I think I'm an old soul as well. I've got all of my siblings are much older than me. So I think that well, I like to think that maybe the reason was that I was just not in the right spot. I, that happened to me when I, we'll talk, we'll get to this part, but you know, I remember there was a, a particular radio thing 
that I was involved in. It was like, oh, I'm the right guy. I'm just on the wrong team. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to, I yeah. had to get, I had to get through, through that. As you became, you know, through high school or whatever, were there any adults other than your mum who affirmed this? Were there people that kind of took you aside and went, yeah, you got something here? Well, I, I always got along really well with my teachers as well. I think, again, being an old soul. And I talk in the book about the teacher who took me aside and was like, Tony, I feel like there's something, not something wrong with you, but I feel like you're really struggling. Um, and I kind of just, I couldn't hold it in anymore. It was almost just like mm. everything that I'd been feeling like, yeah, the kids on the bus, the, you know, like not having a partner to line up with and all that stuff kind of just came out. And um, she was my music teacher in year 10. And yeah, and she just really took me under her wing and she like helped me explain to my mum how I'd been feeling because because I was so close with mum, it was like I felt guilty that I felt shit because she was giving me this amazing life. And, you know, my mum and dad were like, they loved each other, they were together and I had great siblings and, you know, I never went without anything and I was like, I don't want to tell my mum that I feel shit when Mm. she's doing everything she can for me to be happy. Yeah. Which is, you know, I I think probably also just a really fucked like psychological thing of like taking that on. And this is, you know, how old are you in year 10, year 11, like 14, 15? Yeah. I felt guilty about feeling shit because I didn't want my mum to feel like it was her fault. And if you think about, I mean, she's passed away. My mum's passed away as well. Like what would any mum have done if their kid had said that? Certainly a mum, the way you describe her, be like, oh, my Mm. God, how can I help you with this too? You know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. When all I, because I was just in this fucked mindset and I, you know, you don't know how to... um, to articulate how you're, I mean, most adults struggle with that, right? You don't know how to articulate how you're feeling. You're just an angsty little bitch. And I didn't know how to tell her how I was feeling. I didn't know the words to use. I didn't even know what the word anxiety was, you know? All I knew was that I just felt shit and I didn't know what to do. And so, yeah, like having people in my life that were able to kind of just let me talk to them. It wasn't even that they told me. It was just that they let me talk to them or at them and that kind of brought it around for me that I was like, okay, I'm actually not alone. Like this is such a, I mean, and depression, anxiety, I mean, there's not many people that can't relate to that in some way or another, but Mm -hmm. it is so like you gaslight yourself into thinking that you're just not worth anyone's time. And I was doing that for such a long, long time it's so sad to think about now that I'm like, oh, this gorgeous little 15-year-old who if I met now I would love and I would want to look after. It makes me really sad to think about like all the things I missed out on because I just felt so shit. Oh, dude, I can I can so relate that I had made all right. of these decisions and I had written all these rules for myself that mm-hmm. basically I was I was and I understand now it's, a, it's not a great thing to do. I had made emotional decisions for other people and then chose mm-hmm. and based my behavior upon what I believed that they should or yeah. did or did not want to do or should or shouldn't do. And you absolutely denied myself so many things. Um, yeah. Not ideal. Glad I figured it out. Yeah. Wish I had figured it out a little earlier. That's okay. 
<laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, I totally get it. And it's, yeah, you saying that you make emotional decisions for other people because you go, oh, I wonder if I wonder if Osha wants to get dinner tonight. And I go, oh, he'll say no. And then I go, fuck, Osha's an asshole. He doesn't want to go for dinner with me. <laughs> I haven't even talked to you, right? Like I've just decided that myself. And I was living like that. Yeah. And you know the other thing is that that is fucking exhausting. Mm. Your brain is just like whizzing around a million miles an hour. Like it's so, so exhausting. What you just described there, I find it fascinating that we we get these thoughts like that and then our body feels a certain way and then we start to mm. rationalize a situation to justify the way our body feels and they go, ah, oh, there it is. But none of it's real. <laughs> no. And it's hard, no. it's hard to accept that. Do you remember the first time that you kind of got your head around the idea that feelings aren't facts and thoughts aren't always the way things are? I reckon probably a year ago. Fuck! Yeah. Because I, I, I think that I just was like, well, I'm a, I'm a smart girl. I can't, I'm not being tricked by my brain. I'm not stupid. And it took me a really long time to realise, like, to separate those two things. I think even now I still really struggle with it, like, um, which comes back to the debrief thing of knowing that the day is out of my brain and I can go look at things subjectively rather than emotionally. Mm. And I think I've probably created a really good habit with that in the last 12 months. That's so good. That's so good to hear. And it's, Do you know yours? Do I know my... Like when that happened for you, oh. like when you realised... Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was when I got diagnosed with PTSD uh, yeah. when I was 26. And I remember that, like, Phil, bless him, he had to walk me around that block and show me about 72 times. I'm like, no, but Phil, this is how it is. Okay, I'm going to walk you back around this, okay. And he just, again and again and again until I yeah. went, oh. <laughs> it, just, it took a long time, but it really helped. Wow. It really, really helped. Doesn't mean I don't still do it, you know, and when I'm in it, if I'm in a flood, I will, like, say I, you know, I'm really stressed. I haven't been sleeping properly. I'm not eating right. I'm like, I'm all over the fucking shop and this goes on for weeks. And then I pretty much snap and do something really fucking dumb. Mm -hmm. Literally 10 minutes later, I will look, what the fuck was I, who, mm. why, who does that? Me. Yeah. And you look at it and then you go, oh, I've done all this work. And you're angry with yourself that yeah. you know that you know better. It is, it's not like horrendous but you know i do expect that i would not allow myself to get to those points again but it still happens yeah. you know and that mm. and part of that as well tony is you know that is what it is to be human and humans make mistakes and mm -hmm. each one of those moments is an opportunity to go ah and just trying to figure it out a, a little bit more yeah. if they keep happening then boom you're going back to see your old very good friend uh on the mental health plan and uh <laughs> where we go I'm fascinated to know, like you, you mentioned a music teacher. Uh, we have wonderfully um, parallel uh, pathways, which I'm, I'm happy to, you know, was happy to read about. At what point did WAPA become a thing? Uh, at what point did you know it existed and that there was this magical place where people who talk oh. loud go? Oh, my God. I Honestly, I don't even remember finding out about it. It's just 
in my mind, it was always what I wanted. It was always where I wanted ah. to go. And, yeah, I think I say in the book, like, the first Whopper Open Day I went to, I was, like, 13 or 14 or something. Wow. Yeah, because I was just obsessed and I knew it was where I wanted to go. I knew that, yeah, like, exactly like you said, I wanted to be somewhere where people talked loud and were funny and were artsy and wore weird clothes and, you know, just all of those things that weird little arty kids want and where you want to be part of. And, yeah, I just I knew that no matter what capacity it was, I was going to go. And there were a lot of, well, I thought I had a lot of options. I definitely didn't. But... <laughs> What was it like to 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 get it? Because I had the same things, but I, I was refused on all fronts. Like I just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't qualify. And as many times as I auditioned or tried, nah, I wasn't able to get in. What was the uh, entry process like? Um, so I and I auditioned as same as you. I auditioned for everything. I was like, will you take me for voice? Will you take me for dancing? Like, what will you do? And I ended up probably sneaking in the back door a little bit, um, going for sound engineering. So you kind of had to like audition and then make up this portfolio of the sounds of going to work and the sounds of summer and kind of create these like soundscapes that didn't exist. And at the time I had zero experience with that kind of thing and I you know played some things on guitar and recorded it to my laptop and tried to cut it up and like just the I I just tried to do whatever I could and then when I had my interview there I met this guy and he was gruff as and I was like oh I don't think this is gonna go very well and um I I got in and I was I the moment of getting that phone call was incredible of of getting the phone call like yep tony we'd love to offer you a space but about three minutes later the phone call of me ringing mum and being like i've gotten in that is that's the peak that's i don't think there's anything else that will ever happen in my life that was better than hearing her like screaming through the phone um yeah it was huge uh, so so lovely because I'm you know, I'm wondering about this mainly because like our eldest she's at uni at the moment and she's loving her course at the moment and I'm wondering what yeah. was you know we all you know sometimes we kind of our world is you know it's the the mean kids on the bus it's the shitty kids at high school we think that is what the world is to then yeah. suddenly go and be in a course of people who are aligned with you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. They understand the weird references you have, you know. <laughs> what was it like to show up and go, ah, oh, ah, oh, we're all here? I think even to take a step back, it's almost like when you're getting towards the end of high school, you're like, this is the end. And then you kind of like work yourself up to this like, I don't know, antithesis of this thing that you go, well, what's the rest of your life going to be like? And then as soon as you step into uni or your job or traveling or whatever you do after school, it's almost like you go, oh, it keeps going. There's more after Mm -hmm. that. And I mean, maybe not everyone has this, but I definitely was like, oh my God, I thought that school was like, what do you do when you're not at school? Like, I know that my mom's got a job and my dad's got a job, like whatever, but I just hadn't really thought about what that looked like for me. And then, yeah, getting to uni and like, that's where I met my boyfriend. We've been together for almost 10 years. Like, I just think walking into somewhere where people just get you and you just feel at home. Like, I was really lucky. I know that not everyone gets that. And I was so lucky to have that because I just felt like I could be myself and that. Mm. 
you, you can kind of reinvent yourself a bit too, right? Because no one knows oh, you and you yeah. feel a bit mysterious, a bit sexy, you know. <laughs> We can we can reinvent ourselves every day if we want to. That's the magical part about being a human being. For fuck's sake, I've changed my name that many times. Like you just do it. You just you know, I've gone blonde, I grow a mustache. I, you know, you just do and then you go, nope, this You're is just me. doing it. This is me now. And if you believe it, people go, I guess that's him now. And that's it. Yeah. And that's it. You're not ever, none of us are ever stuck where we are. And that goes for the, the, the things we don't like about ourselves too. We, we can, mm. you know, we, we can reinvent yourself. You can reinvent yourself in, in one summer. You can reinvent yourself as a complete drug fuck piss wreck. Trust me. Uh, you can absolutely reinvent yourself into that. <laughs> But you could could also go the other way. And I I would suggest the other way if anybody that's listening is trying to decide. It's quite interesting. We we allow, we don't don't ever see somebody's perhaps, shall we say, uh, deviation from a, a, a pathway that is bringing positive things into their life. We don't see that as reinvention, but it is. You know, mm, if you totally. the, the the right song, the wrong sexual partner, and the right amount of drugs will fucking change your life. Uh, yeah, in probably uh, terrible ways. Yeah, and also like meeting the first wrong person at school or uni, and you know, if it's someone that that is good, who kind of you know you like the same things, and it leads you down the right path. I mean, also though, I was going through all this stuff, and I wasn't in the public eye. Like you are, like on a, such a different level, the fact that you've been famous, what, like literally 90% of your life. Been a long, well, I'm, not, I'm not that old yet, but, yeah, half of it. <laughs> hey, percentages don't make you old, but, Well, you I know, was on like, radio, so thir- I was on radio 94, so nine, 29 years. That's insane. Yeah, I know, right? Like, it's nuts. So, But, all, I mean, like, all of the reinventions that you've gone through, whether good, whether bad, whether neutral, like, I didn't have a million people watching me. Like, so for, like, I can't even imagine how that felt. Oh, it's just a job. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just a job. Depends. No, no honestly, at the time I, I put everything into it because I had put mm. so much of my, so much of why I got some of those jobs was because of who I was. Mm-hmm. And I always found it weird in the music, television stuff particularly, uh, that, I initially I found it quite weird that they wanted to pay me because I was like, yeah. but, but I'm, I'm just doing the stuff that I normally do. This is what I do. I just, sh- mm-hmm. I, I, and you want to pay me? I'll, I'll let you, but I don't feel like you should. You know, it it feel almost like, feels too good to be true, right? Feel like work, you know, mm-hmm. but then I started to, there was all kinds of, you know, conf- confabulations and, things of, of of my identity and what I did for a job and, you know, mm-hmm. last, uh, you know getting paid to be. I was an, I, I had yet to put the, um, the, uh, the slightly different parallel universe me on telly. Um, mm-hmm. he it was show- just you. He did show up. Uh, he eventually showed up once I got sober, but it, it was always just me, just like, which is, I think, part of what made me someone – maybe it made me someone interesting to employ because it was just mm. fucking raw. When you got your first gig in radio, uh, w- w- you mentioned, you know, it's like this is high school, this is how it's going to be forever. When you get into mm-hmm. that first kind of – and the thing about uni is everyone's – unless there's always a weird mature age person somewhere, but everyone's usually around the same kind of age cohort. 
Yeah. When you get to your first station, you're like, oh, wow, there's like people as old as my parents here. Fuck. Yeah. And they're cranky. (laughs) How did you (laughs) find that? Yeah, and they've been doing this for a long time. And they're Um, fucked off that I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was... I think, yeah, weird just because it's like a new experience and you're trying to take things in and you're just learning and you almost feel, I mean, there are some people that are really gracious with their time and their knowledge and their experience. But like you said, there are people that are cranky and there are people that are like, oh, you should already know this. Or, well, I had to do X, Y, Z amount of stuff before anyone would give me a shot at doing this. Or, you know, there's always going to be someone that doesn't think you deserve your spot. And sometimes that's you. Like I definitely went through the imposter syndrome thing of being like, oh, my God, there's people. Because I didn't do radio at uni. I only knew audio. But there was all these people that were studying broadcasting. And I was like, well, I don't deserve to be here. There's people that are radio, radio, radio. And so I felt like I had to learn about a whole new industry after kind of starting in it, which is pretty backwards because normally you kind of read up about what it's like to work in, I don't know, fucking finance, and then you yeah. start working in finance, whereas that's not yeah, yeah. what I, As far as I know? understand, it's like cocaine uh, and huge amounts of money and very fucking little accountability. Uh, that's yeah. what, I, that's what yeah, I know I've about. I've seen it. The Wolf of Wall Street, and I'm pretty yeah. sure that's accurate for all people that, you know, bank you, tellers, You get to drive an electric Porsche, that's nice, but other than that, I don't <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't, don't really know. But, you know, if the if the Rick Rubin book is anything to go by, which I thoughtly recommend if you haven't read it yet, the idea that you didn't know the rules when yes. you arrived gave you an enormous advantage. Oh, I mean, one way of thinking, I felt like it was the opposite. But, I mean, ignorance is bliss. When you don't know what you can't say, you kind of just say anything. And I think having been – and still can be such an anxious person I was like well I actually just don't know like I'm just gonna do my best and try and you know play dumb if someone goes well why did you do that I go well I didn't like but not victimizing myself but just being like well you know I'm just trying to figure it out and I'm new here and you just hope that everyone kind of cuts you a little bit of slack I've never really thought about not knowing the rules being an advantage I felt like I was at a major disadvantage I thought that my role in life was like to fall in and just do the thing and not make any, I wanted to make noise, but I was like, nope, I'm just going to fit in and just do my thing and go home. Clearly not, Tony. Now you're leaning, you're <laughs> leaning right into it and it's working yes. out for you. So uh, <laughs> maybe that's, maybe, maybe uh, that was another thing that you might've gone, eh, maybe uh, do this a little differently here. Cause it's the, the, yeah. uh, doing the other thing is working really well. I, I guess I was kind of more along the lines of, you know, if you, you don't know that, look, this is just the way we've always done it, so this is the way we always do it. You just try yeah. what you think makes sense and mm-hmm. it suddenly you're doing something that's revolutionary and it's yeah. for you just doing, I'm just doing a thing. But they, you know, people around you don't kind of realise how you how you got there. Radio stations yeah. could be an interesting place. Speaking of people who get paid to be who they are, people who have particular kinds of personalities that translate, and it never used to be on camera, but it was always on audio. People who have voices that communicate their emotional state incredibly well. So mm-hmm. with particular voices that are particularly very expressive or, uh, you know, can show a lot of nuance in the way that they speak. And because that stuff is so hard to learn, it's it very, very helpful if that person is already that way. And yeah. so radio finds itself to have this 
you know, team of people that tend to work on air that are a really powerful personality type. Um, yeah. And they can be timid people, but they're just very, very strong in that timidity. Um, yes. And uh, reading your, your book, the part where you moved to Melbourne for the big fucking gig, <laughs> the way that you engaged with the personalities you found there, boy, I fell for you. Yeah, oh, thank you. Oh, Tony. <laughs> yeah. What, what, oh. was that, what was that like? Because radio is a very intimate job and I say that because think of, I don't know, think of your bathroom, all right, the house you live yep. in. Think of your mm-hmm. bathroom. Usually they're all about the same size. If you can get a bathtub, a toilet, a, you know, a cupboard, maybe a sink in there. All right. Mm-hmm. Now put four people in it yeah. for five hours every day. Yeah. If anyone's not having a good time, no one's having a good time. Nope. If someone didn't sleep well last night, nobody slept well last night. <laughs> no. <laughs> tell, tell me about what you thought you were walking into versus what you walked into. So when I first moved, so I was just in regional radio. The first move that I made was from Bunbury in WA to Sydney. And that was just huge. Like I'd been in radio for about a year and five months and I got this gig and, you know, like, like anybody, my dream as a young girl and I guess even still now is I want to live as far a fucking way as I can from where I was born. I want to get the hell out of here. I want to go and live my life. I don't want to die next to the fucking hospital bed that I was born in. And I was like, yep, this is what I want. And so I moved to Sydney and I hated it so much. I fucking hated it. I was working on a night show and I was kind of working in the building alone. And so that sucked. I'm a chatter. And I thought I wanted to make friends and I thought I was, you know, making this amazing move. I fucking dragged my boyfriend along with me and he found a job and he was working nine to five, but I was working two till 11 p.m. or whatever. So the people were nice. You never never see see him. Yeah. Never see him. And the people that I was working with are nice and there are people that I worked with that I like still get along with, but I was not prepared by any means for the massive personalities, the different kinds of ego, even just the money that you're dealing with. Like I I was in regional radio. I was getting paid 40 grand a year. All of a sudden I'm walking through hallways where people make millions of dollars a year. Like I just, it was stepping into a completely different world and I just did not fucking fit in. It was just so not me. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, how was something that I wanted so badly the wrong choice? <laughs> right? Like yep. how did I know myself that unintimately? That's not a word, but like how did I get that so wrong? Yeah, I, I absolutely relate to that. Absolutely relate to like this. This thing that I thought I wanted and I got there and I was like, ah, oh, it's not, it's not it. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> And that was really hard because, I mean, like I was making 40 grand a year. I had no money. We spent all of our money moving to Sydney. Sydney Mm. rent is very expensive. We spent all of our money on bond to rent this shit apartment. Like I just, I thought about all of the risks we'd taken to get me there. And then I felt again, like that guilt of being like, I've made the wrong choice. And 
very luckily, about six months after I'd been in Sydney, the job that I'd originally applied for in Melbourne with Jason PJ that I re- that I really wanted came up again, and I applied for that and got the fuck out of there. <laughs> uh, and that was and that was perfect. So, and so hang on. So uh, at this point, you're you're producing, but for uh, for people outside of radio, um, there's two kinds of producing. There's the person who runs the phones and the person who goes, okay, guys, we're going to get an outdoor inflatable kid's pool. We're going to fill it full of shaving cream. Okay. And then you and you are going to have a spaghetti fight. And the first five callers through are going to get through onto the wait list, try and get the double one, three, two, five, five, five. And then we fucking, Hamish and Eddie, Bali. Okay. Like that's a producer. And then there's also the producer that goes, Tonight on like who makes it all, chops it all up mm-hmm. audio wise. Which yes. kind were you? That's me. The the sh- 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 ah, yes. yeah. <laughs> so you're wrangling, you're wrangling the buttons. You're in, you're on the knobs. Um, you're making all the yep. imaging, which is really important stuff. And yeah, uh, this job also involves making sketches and making everything sound really cool and and mm-hmm. gives the uh, the real sense of pace and and uh flavor and tone and it's 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 a tricky job because you can get it really wrong really easily and then you can get it really right uh and so that's the job you're moving to melbourne for yes and it's like the dream team like i'd watched jason pj they were on radio in new zealand i'd watched their videos non-stop for two years while they were doing drive radio there and um, both my boyfriend and I really wanted to live in Melbourne as well. Like that was kind of where we wanted to end up. And yeah, when I landed this gig, I was like, thank fuck. Cause if I stay in Sydney for another minute, I don't know what's going to happen. I was just, it it's just was not place. for me. It's a ruthless yeah, place. It is. Yeah. It is. I just, yeah. I couldn't make friends. I just wasn't happy. And, um, and the gig was, was really isolating as well. So I got this gig in Melbourne and I was like, here we go. Like, all right, that was a bit of a false start, but here we yeah. go. Like this is this is going to be the one. Yeah. And it was. It really it really was. Like it was the best job I'd ever had, and the jobs that I do now are amazing, but in terms of team, that was probably the the best team I could have ever dreamt of ever. It's a high pressure gig too. I mean, you've got to get up at fucking stupid hours. It's yeah. uh, so you've gone from not seeing your, your partner from two p.m. to eleven p.m. to not seeing your partner from seven <laughs> when you say good night, and then yeah. by the time they get home yeah. from work, you are asleep. <laughs> yeah. So yes. Yeah. And I'm having have, you, dinner at five p.m. and yeah. you know trying to yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. But it's yeah. also it's also a very high pressure job where well, a phone call will come through at ten past six, and some punter will say such and such, and the whole team will decide whatever we're going to do for the morning is out the window. We are now going to build to this thing that happens right before the eight o'clock news, and yep. you, Tony, will then have to chop up all the phone calls and make everything happen, and basically get a promo on air within five minutes of it being on air but mm-hmm. now it's a promo <laughs> and also we did a pre-recorded chat yesterday for 30 minutes that needs to fit into three minutes can you send that through when you've got a second yeah <laughs> fucking hell man like yeah hard it's a hard gig and pressure 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 yes and, yeah and at what point do you go uh what else is there <laughs> 
to rewind, when I was in regional radio, I was like, so this is when I'm in Bunbury, I'm doing my 40 grand a year and, you know, just trying to figure it all out. And I was making commercials for the radio station. Like that's where I started. And one day someone called in sick and they did the crosses and they went, can anybody do a cross this morning? So anyone that doesn't know, like this is literally like the, you know, what the Black Thunder drivers, like they've got the cans of Coke. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they've got the cans of Coke at the Karen Street ramp and, you know, you've got to get down there and see them before work and you might get and a so, sticker or a hat or something. And so you're doing, the, uh, you're doing the ads, so you're voicing the ads? So, yeah, I was, I was cutting all the ads, I was voicing ads yeah. and then they were like, oh, Tony, you're pretty funny. Like, would you want to go out and do the crosses in the morning because so-and-so's just called in sick? And I went, okay. And then I was like, fuck, I'm pretty good. I reckon I could do this. And then as soon as I went to Sydney, I was like, well, I'm never going to be fucking on air now. Like that's ne- that's never going to happen. I'm in the big leagues. I can't compete with the people that are around me. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to Melbourne, I started doing stunts with Jason PJ and a bit like, you know, just the offsider producer that's out in the shaving cream because Jason PJ don't want to be in yeah. the shaving cream, cream or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, um, and I started doing that and that's when I was like, this is what I need to be doing. I can't right. be cutting up zips and zaps anymore. Like, this is it. Yeah. And yeah. that was a really freeing thing to be like, oh, my God, I am loud for a reason. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Though having, and I, I'm always grateful for the time I spent editing my own shit on fucking tape with razor blades and sticky tape. It made me a better interviewer Absolutely. because I'm like, I'm going to have to cut this up and I don't have time. And mm-hmm. because you know what you know about what it is you're, you're actually putting together and you kind of self-edit as you go to create yes. it to be the very best that it can possibly be and then to get sharpened mm-hmm. and heightened. So it changes how you are. And another person that had that opportunity wouldn't do the same gig. But to have that moment of like, oh. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Is a beautiful thing. Now, yes. how do you monetize it? Now, how do you get there? Especially exactly. in a like in a Cap City radio where everyone has like, no, 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 it's five year waiting list to get in here, mate. Forget about it. Yeah, yeah. You've got to go back to Bunbury if you want to be yeah. on air. Then you've got, you know. And that was that. I was like, well, I what am? Where do I start? What do I do? So I started recording demos with mm. anybody and everybody who would chat with me for an hour, and um. They wouldn't put me on air. They wouldn't put me on air. They wouldn't put me on air. They weren't fucking interested. Uh, and I went, you know, like, that's fine. And I kept doing stunts for Jason PJ and they'd go off and the videos would be awesome. And, like, no, nah, Tony, we still can't put you on air. They're, oh, you're just a producer. There's no way. Like, <gasps> a producer can't be on the air. So I was like, oh, well, I don't think I can do this then. Like, if you can't do that for me, then I need to come up with something else, uh, which is when I got into podcasting and I started my own and it was shit because everyone has 20 podcasts and one's shit. Actually, 19 of them are shit, one's good. Um, And uh, I did that and I was just really trying to figure myself out and then I met Ryan, who I do the podcast with now. Was it similarly to when you were in the shaving cream and went, oh, this is it? I was just like, you're really... He already had a bit of a platform online, so mm-hmm. I can't. It was almost like there was legitimacy of me being like, "I trust you because you've done this," you know. Yeah. And he was like, "I can help. I can make a demo with you, dude. Like that's fine." 
And I was like, yep, I think I want to put some videos on Instagram. I think that people will like me on it. I can't get a job on the radio. Maybe if I put stuff on Instagram, maybe that'll work. And we started posting stuff on Instagram and that went really well and TikTok and stuff. And people were like, where's your podcast? We were like, oh, we don't have one. Like both of us have had podcasts that didn't work out. And um, then we, people asked for the podcast and we were like, I think we figured this out. And, I mean, look at me now. <laughs> what does it say to you, Tony? What does it say to you about the uh, the selection process for for people who, I mean, there's only so many slots and it's not like you mm-hmm. weren't trying, but, you know, there's someone out there who had the chance to sign Mariah Carey and didn't and then Sony did. Yeah. You know, yeah. what does it say to you about the selection process of, of you know, these, you know, giant broadcasters and having, you know, I'm very well aware that tomorrow I will probably call a major radio station going, are you sure you don't have a job for me? Like, I know I'm not... <laughs> I'm not trying to throw people under the bus here. Like I love radio, I always have, but are we doing the same thing the same way because that's the way we've always done it, you know, rather than someone like yourself who came through an uh, an unconventional pathway and go, Mm -hmm. wow, there's value here. I I, I 100% agree. I think that there's definitely gotten to a point where it's like, oh, well, that's just what we've always done and, you know, oh, it's not really working at the moment, but maybe we just need to do what we've always done again but in a – like – another new oh, no, type, like another the all new there we go there we go brilliant i'm taking the rest of the week off bye see you bye yeah yeah, yeah. it's like the new iteration of the exact same thing yeah. and i found that really heartbreaking because i think it's something that like your parents say to you when you're young like oh tony it's not what you know it's who you know and oh as long as you got a foot in the door and i had my whole fucking body in the door and that <laughs> didn't make a difference you know <laughs> Yeah. And so I'm sitting there thinking, like, what what more can I do in the amazing and very privileged situation I was in? It still didn't fucking work for me. And thinking back on it, it wouldn't have been the right move, right? It's not. It. I ended up finding something else, and my life is, you know, amazing. And the job that I have now is, you know, it's self made, and I love it. And I'm very, I'm so so happy. And I'm sitting here talking to you, and I never in my wildest dreams would have considered that to be my job, right? A bit like you. You want to pay me to do this thing that I love and be myself? Like, are you fucking drunk? Okay, I'll do it. And thinking back on those times when I was like, you've said no, that's no, that's game over. And thinking now, I'm like, oh, there are so many people that have already or will in the future be me in that seat going, Mm. I think I could do this and that, you know, they'll just get ignored. But then they get, you know, Mariah Carey signs with someone else and they start putting stuff on Instagram or start a podcast and Mm. all of a sudden the talent goes elsewhere and, you know, then what are you left with? There's like nothing original about it because people go, well, I There's no barrier to entry to creating content now, which is what in my mind I had that I was like, well, I need someone to give me a shot. And it wasn't until I started creating my own stuff that I was like, oh, I actually, I don't need anybody. And that was insane. Oh, just a moment away from Tony Lodge to say that tickets are on sale right now for not only the Melbourne International Comedy Festival shows, but the Sydney Festival shows as well. We got invited to the Sydney Comedy Festival show. We're playing the gala, as far as I'm aware, the one in Chatswood. And we started the Manning Bar on the 3rd of May. Get along. It'll be great. Tickets are in the show notes. Get into it. 
if you come more than once, and you can if you like, it will not be the same show. It's not the same show twice because we do a different show every single night because it's the news of the day. It'll never be the same show twice. And it's fucking so much fun. Please, while you're buying some tickets, you can listen to some commercials so I can pay the people to help me make this show. And we'll be right back with more Tiny Lunch. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. What would you say to people about the power of giving yourself permission to create, to perform, to try, to do? Start the fucking blog. Start the fucking podcast. Start the fucking Instagram channel, the TikTok, the YouTube, whatever it is. And, you know, if you get 100 followers, great. If you get 100,000 followers, great. If you get a million followers, great. But if it's something that you love and you're giving yourself that creative outlet and maybe it won't pay the bills straight away, maybe it won't ever, but if it's something you love to do, you will always get the same amount of gratification out of that. And, yeah, I was just waiting for someone to give me a shot and no one did. So I was like, all right, like what am I going to do? Like and my life is totally different like I I what am I do, as this is a work day you know it's 3 yeah. p.m on a Wednesday and this is our job Can you yeah. imagine if I just sat I would still just be sitting in that fucking chair wondering why I was making other people sound funnier instead of doing it myself <laughs> you know yeah wow and yeah just it's- start the fucking blog just do it just, yeah, just start. I talk about that on this show all the time. Just start, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't wait for anyone to let you know if that you can or can't do it. If it's mm-hmm. shit, and it probably will be because you might not be very good at first, that's okay. You're going to have to be prepared to be kind of shit for a while. Uh, yeah. I got lucky. I got to do Midnight to Dawns and I got to do like three or four years of being terrible overnight mm-hmm. and no one really heard it uh, <laughs> but good flying hours right dude you gotta That's get flight the, miles in yeah be prepared for your podcast or whatever to not be great and it won't be it won't be but the effort that you need to put in to keep going even though it's not great is worth it because the lessons you learn along the way mm-hmm. will serve you down the track my life changed one day when i was uh was i, I just kind of decided Everybody that has a podcast, one day they just went, I'm going to start a podcast. And mm-hmm. they did. That's the only difference between me and them. A uh-huh. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> I, I'll just start. And you actually <laughs> like, have the power to decide that at any time of the day. And this could be anything like, oh, 
you know, people who work as financial analysts. One day they went, I'm going to go do that. And they yeah. just began the pathway. It's a mm -hmm. long pathway. That's fine. But they just started. They didn't have to wait for anyone to go, and now my son, you will become the financial analyst. No, they just mm -hmm. went, I'm going to go, I'm going to start. And we're making decisions about what we can and can't do or making decisions about our own capabilities before we've even tested those capabilities and then not allowing us to move on and then going, oh, fuck, it sucks that I can't move on. It's like, well, wait a second here. No one's told you you can't. You've decided that. Have you looked over our shoulder and told us who, who told us we can't move? Oh, fuck, it's me. Mm -hmm. Fuck. Yeah. You're standing in your own way. It's like what I said before about like gaslighting yourself into thinking yeah. it's not possible. And it's yeah. like the getting started, like there's been so many people that have reached out and which I, I love when people kind of share their story or go, oh, you're such an inspiration because, because of you and how you kind of were a producer, like you made me start my own pod or whatever. And I, I love that so much. And someone only recently said, oh, um, oh, I'd love to, I've always wanted to be a nurse, but you know, the degree takes three years or whatever it was. And I was like, yep. Yeah, but like, if you start that, in three years, three years will have passed regardless of whether you did it or not. So do you want to get to the end of the three years and go, fuck, I should have started that three years ago? Or do you want to get to the end of the three years and go, fuck, I'm almost a nurse? Yeah. Because it, it, the it, three years is going to pass whether you like it or not. It's the same with asking for things. Because mm -hmm. if you haven't asked... Say if a person's got a thing, like I'm going through this at the moment with um, this news show that I'm doing, NTNN, NNN. Are you in Melbourne? Yes. You must come, come and be my weather, come and be a weather reporter on my show. Would love to. Please. Great. It's a live yes. satirical news show and we have special guest weather reporters. Uh, awesome. At the end of the show, they come on and do the weather and it's fucking bananas. We're, we're at the comedy festival. We're doing 10 nights there. You've oh, got to cool. come. You'd be amazing. Um but I'm chasing these weather reporters and I'm, I won't say anything because they're all big surprises, but I'm asking people who are like gods of, and goddesses of news reading. All right. Mm -hmm. People who I have no business asking, can you come and put your entire career in jeopardy by just standing on stage with us while we do this fucking seditious, dangerous show. <laughs> but if I don't ask them, they're already not doing the show. Mm-hmm. So if I go and find their Twitter account or Instagram and go, hey, how you going? Um, we, we've never met, but I would like Can it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> if they say no, I'm exactly where I was and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And you're but, allowed to ask and they're allowed to say no. That's absolutely. the other thing is that like people, if they go, well, no, I'm not going to do that. You go, well, I was allowed to ask. I haven't forced anything on you. I haven't, you no. know, no one's actually ever going to be pissed off about that. That's the no. other thing. If you reach out to someone and go, hey, I'd love to actually chew your ear about X, Y, Z. I'm really interested in, you know, if they said to you, I'd love to be a host or I'd love to start my own podcast, people love talking about themselves. Not one person is going to go, actually, you know what? I really don't want to jerk off my own ego and talk to you about how successful I am. Thank you, though. I'm just going to not do that today. <laughs> yeah. They're going to say yes. Yeah. And, and the same with like if, if you don't ask, you know, if by asking if the, way, the way I look at it, by asking you have given yourself the experience of what it is to ask and mm -hmm. So you start asking bigger and bigger people more and more difficult things that you think are never, ever going to happen. And that's it. Mm -hmm. That's how yep. the big gigantic breaks happen. And the difference between me doing something and making that decision, like you said, is 
just yeah. instantaneous and the payoff might not be instantaneous but mm-hmm. like you still get gratification from trying something even when yeah. someone says no you go i'm fucking really proud of myself for asking or whatever because it adds to the it it puts uh it puts a thousand bucks in the superannuation of self-worth every time and eventually at that that compound interest starts to pay off all right it does the more Someone's times a financial uh analyst what no is- I'm 11 years from being 60. I don't know how much super I don't have. So, because I was a fucking drunken idiot for most of my career. So, you know. When you're a freelancer, it's hard to pay your own super. I get it. Fucking, you just forget. But eventually that compound interest starts to feed into itself. All right. Mm -hmm. You're just adding to that experience of what it is to ask, what it is to ask, Mm -hmm. what it is to ask. I even do it with Wolfie. I want to go over this. I go, how about I come with you and we can practice asking together. And we just practice asking, you know, you want to turn on the slide or you want to, you know, we practice asking. We do yeah. because, you know, we have this idea of like, I'm not allowed to. Speaking of asking and asking someone, at what point did you kind of break through into the, oh, I'm actually going to ask someone if I can come and do a session of therapy versus then I'm just going to think about that I might need it? <laughs> um, so it was after I moved to Melbourne and I guess all of the excitement of moving and the distractions that I could kind of go, oh, well, I, I don't have time for that right now because I'm doing X or I don't have time for that right now. And I got to the point where I was like, if I don't do something, I'm going to be dead. Oh. Like. There's no two ways that I cannot keep living this way. Like I cannot do this. And by living I, this way, what do you? Were you like drinking, using? Um, no. So it was. It was literally just the the way that I was making myself feel in my brain. It right. wasn't even any type of substances at all. It was. Mm. It was just if I keep doing this to myself and not try and come up with some way to either separate my thoughts or filter things out or try and express myself. I was just, I was so tired. I was grieving still like my, I don't think I'd really gone through, I'd gone through the motions, but I don't think I'd done the work to get get over my mum passing away and just moving away from my friends and trying to have this life that I wanted and there was just so so many things that happened so quickly that I thought meant that it was okay because I got further and further away from it both in time and literal distance we call that a geographic in my super secret sober club and John Cabotin would say wherever you go there you are yes right because you think (laughs) I've I've left those feelings and those memories somewhere else but they were still right but they were still (laughs) (laughs) but they were still in me and I didn't know how to deal with them and I didn't know how to think about them. And I was like, I was just in such a dark place that I, I thought I just can't go on. Like this is, I'm just about to bubble over. And one night I just, I was like, I fucking need to see someone. And, you know, after a night of bawling myself, bawling my eyes out in bed and worrying about how tired I was going to be the next morning and worrying about how late it was because I had to wake up at 4.30 for breakfast radio. Uh, You never watch a clock like when you're on a breakfast show. You check your alarm 50 times because you don't want to sleep in. and You you know, it was was (sighs) so toxic for me. And that wasn't the job. It was was like what I was doing to myself was really toxic. And one night I was laying in bed, I'd been bawling my eyes out, was talking to my boyfriend and I was like, what time is it? Like, what am I, like, what do I do? Like, I need to go to sleep because I need to go to work tomorrow. And I was like, you know what? 
when I go to bed at 8 a.m., 8 p.m., I'm tired when I wake up at 4.30. When I go to bed at 1 a.m. because I've been up crying and stressing about how much sleep I'm not going to get, I'm tired when I wake up at 4.30. If I'm going to be tired either way and if my brain's so powerful it can make me sick because I'm anxious, then can I trick my brain into thinking that it's 8 8, 8 p.m. anyway? And so I realised that time was a flat circle and it doesn't mean fucking shit and uh, the next day I went to the doctor, got a mental health care plan, started seeing a therapist. Amazing. I tricked Amazing. my brain for the good. <laughs> and honestly, I you've got to do it sometimes. That's certainly one of the ways that I used to get around that that wall that my own self puts in front of me from doing mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, oh, I, just, I can't do that. I don't need to do that. Okay, It's like washing the dishes, this gigantic pile of dishes. I can't wash it. Just wet the wet the sponge and just wash one. That's all you've got to do. Mm-hmm. Just wash just just one. Wash one. Just, just one. do one. When I, was writing, when I was writing my book, it's like I know I have to get a certain thousand number of words a day to make deadline. I, I wouldn't even use the program that I would use. I would just use the notes app and go, I'm just going to type over here for a little while. You know, that's all. I'm just going to yep. type some stuff over here and then, oh, copy, paste, boom, now I'm there. But just tricking myself to go around the corner to the yep. to the part where I'm not making the choices like, no, no, you can't do that. Getting myself yes. out of my own way. And yep. it's okay to do that. Um, it becomes more automatic as the more practice you get. But it's, uh, fuck, it's amazing how our brains are malleable things that we can shape, shape and mold in any direction mm. we want. And they keep going in the direction. They're like a like a boat that you've walked, like you set the boat and you walk away from the steering wheel. That boat will just keep going in the last direction mm-hmm. you pointed it. Yep. That, that's what our brains are like. But we uh-huh, forget yeah. that we can turn the wheel anytime. Yeah. Anytime. And for this whole, all this time I'd been letting the brain, win. it was doing the boat, it was just, it was full speed ahead and yeah. I didn't think to turn the wheel because I didn't know that I could. I didn't think that I had the strength <laughs> to. I didn't think that. <laughs> I was allowed, you know, you just don't know if what I, you If I turn the wheel, know, my career right? will stop. I can't turn the wheel because this is the, it has to go this way. Otherwise, this is the only reason I'm successful because I do this. Mm. I've worked all the I've worked all this time to get to this place. Like I can't I can't stop what I'm doing, but I can't keep doing it either. Like I just I just <laughs> didn't I didn't know what my options were. I just didn't. I had no idea, and it was almost as if that split second decision, right, to be my yeah. own circuit breaker, changed my life. Tony, it's it's wild because uh, there's still a part of my my fabulous ego that makes me think, oh no, I'm a special snowflake. Uh, this is stuff only. This is only my experience. Honestly, like like I said before, there's parts of your book. There's maybe go, oh fuck, I'm oh I'm just exhibiting the same kind of you know way of processing things that every other fucker does, whether it be you know me, a white straight guy from a middle class suburb in Brisbane, or you, you know, a, a, a beautiful woman from the Western Australia who's 20 years younger than me. Oh, fuck, it's the same thing. Ah, oh. lucky smarter people than us have figured out what, how to help us. <laughs> well, you know what? I actually find so much comfort in that because yeah. for all this time, I was doing the exact same as you. I was like, this is only happening to me. And why? Who did I piss off that made me that? Like, who decided that this was only going to happen to me? You know, in, the, yeah. in a past life, have I really shat on the wrong person? Like, what did I do to deserve this? But, I mean, then realising that, yeah, I did have all this power and just like personally and emotionally that the ball was actually in my court really changed the way that I could separate myself from what was happening to me and what is me, you know? 
understanding that you have agency over yes. your own thoughts. And bear in mind, like I've been so unwell that I wasn't able to change my thoughts. I wasn't able to change my mind as much as I wanted to. I needed mm-hmm. I need medication to get around that corner. So that that was a part of a part of my story. But understanding that that is a thing that our brains can do when our brains are healthy is yes. is amazing. And to lean into that sense of agency and that sense of, oh, I, oh, fuck, I, this is awful because I choose to see it this way. Ah, oh, fuck, okay. All right, well, I can change my mind. Uh, it's hard, but I can do it. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's tough to face, yeah. but yes. it's better than the option. <laughs> it's yes. better than keeping going. Right. Uh, t- yeah, Tony, I could talk to you forever, man. Like, I've, I've really, I'm so grateful you came on the show. I'm so grateful I got a chance to speak to you about this stuff. And, and look, you know, you're a gift. You're an absolute gift for people to hear. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the thing I was talking about before, that thing in a voice that makes a radio person great at what they do, you've got it. And I don't fucking care mm. what anybody says. You got it. So, <laughs> hey, Osha said that I've got it. So I'll take it. But not honestly, like, thank you so much for. Reading my book, that I just the fact that anybody is going to read it, but especially you, is just insane to oh. me, and <laughs> it's just honestly crazy. And the yeah, the the fact that you wanted to chat, this has been great. I would oh. yeah, let's just keep going. Amazing, and come <laughs> come and be a weather come and be a weather reporter with me. Uh, in we're at the Malt House Theatre. Uh, Get the plug away, thir- nice. Thirtieth of May, ABC. Always be closing. Come on, uh, I got I got tickets to shift, Tony. <laughs> Um, 30th of March. No, I'm telling you this because it's 30th of March uh, to 9th of April and I've got, there's a few people lined up, but just pick a date. Uh, but I don't want to say it out loud because I want it to be a surprise. I won't say it on the okay. show just yet. Uh, All right. So just pick a date and, um, All right. you know, we'll, uh, we'll have you on. Yeah. It's fucking Text tons me. of fun. We'll organize something. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you for making the stuff you make. Thank you for being a voice because, you know, the thing we were saying before that, uh, you know, it, it had to happen at the time because that's what the technology was available and it has an effect on our community when there's this um, only select few voices that are amplified, whether it be on mm-hmm. news, uh, on, on broadcast or on radio. And that can lead to a homogeneity of thought and homogeneity of how we identify ourselves and, and our idea of like, oh, there must be something different for me because I, I don't look or sound or think like the people who are in these positions yeah. of broadcast power. The wonderful thing about podcasting is that there's this, this like different ideas. It can be very dangerous when it starts to get into weird right wing shit or even weird left wing shit. But that you are able to be who you are uh, authentically and express your experience of being a young person in Australia is enormous because it means, as I said before, you know, there's so many people who listen to you. The memoir, the age of you know before thirty, is a big deal because people go, "Oh, right." Oh, it's okay because that's what it's like to me too. Ah, oh, cool. Yes. Cool. Yeah. And that's a wonderful feeling that I'm sure you would want to have given your younger self or given to any of your friends. So thank you for doing what you do. It's really, it's really important. Oh, Two thumbs thank up. You. I'm, oh, I'm so touched by that because it's exactly what I wanted people to get from it. So it really means a lot. Thank you. That was Tony Lodge. She's magnificent. Find her on Instagram, Tony Lodge, T-O-N-I Lodge. And her podcast is called Tony and Ryan. Find it where you found this podcast. It's fantastic. Come say hi in Melbourne. If you're not able to make it, please tell somebody and let them know about the show. We're at the Malt House Theatre. On the, We start on Thursday night, the 30th, the day after my birthday. You're more than welcome to bring me something. And we go until the 9th of April. It'll be fantastic to come and get around it. We deliberately made the tickets as cheap as we possibly could. 
and it's awesome. It's such a good show. I'm so proud of it. It's so funny. It is the funniest thing I've ever been a part of making, and I've made some pretty funny things uh, that I have not created. Other people created them, but this is up there. It is as funny as anything I've ever done, and I'm, I'm thrilled. Just can't wait for you to come and see it. Come and say hi. Thanks, Andy Ma, for cutting this episode, for doing audio and video post-production. Thanks, Rachel Barrett, for being the executive producer of everything. Thanks, Bree Steele, for research on this one. And uh, Mike Mills, also known as Toe Hider, who I'm really going to hope is going to show up at some of these shows. Mike, if you're listening, let me know what night you want to come. And that goes for you, too. If you want to come and you can't afford it, just let me know. Send me an email. Send us your email at gmail.com. All right. I'll see you in Melbourne. 